1: If you love college football, it's been a confusing and sometimes confounding 24 hours or so. The Power Five conferences, well, they're canceling the season. Oh, wait, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are for sure, or maybe they're not. The American Athletic Conference and Sunbelt are playing for sure, and the Mac and the Mountain West are not. What is the state of college football this fall or next spring? We've got the guys to help us sort it all out. Our college football writers Matt Baker and Joy Knight of the Tampa Bay Times are here to discuss all this and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. All right, when I got questions about college football, the two guys I go to are Matt Baker and Joey Knight, and they join us now. And, guys, bring us up to date, if you each could. Um, You know, a week ago, it seemed like we were talking about schedules and whatnot um and uh, some cancellation maybe of some games but teams playing within the conference well all of that seems to be changing uh, perhaps in a hurry and uh let's start with what what's sort of led to this anticipation of what many feel like anyway might be an apocalyptic shutdown of college football but at least at the very least there are discussions about whether or not they can play serious discussions uh, going on among the uh, Power Five conferences. So let's begin there. What what has changed uh, so quickly?
0: That's about a 30-second spot, Matt. I'll let you take that.
2: Oh, you? <laughs> oh, thank you. It's, it's very kind of you, Joseph. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the word apocalypse. Uh, Joey uh, was sending me and our edi- editor, Tracy Johnson, a text late Sunday night, uh, and I'm pretty sure he used the word apocalypse. And we, we had a, a meeting today um the three of us and the the subject was apocalypse now um <laughs> because that's that's where we that's where we are i mean i'm looking at the calendar on august 5th so you know five days ago as we record monday night the big 10 announced its new schedule and now as we talk on august 10th it looks like the big 10 is on the verge of canceling the fall football season um the, the zillion dollar question is, is what change? And I don't have a great answer. I, I think there's not one thing. I think it's a, a I think it's several things. Um, one is there's certainly been some concerns about, um, obviously the whole thing has been predicated on, on, on health and health and, and safety. Um, but I think in the last week or so, there's been more concerns about players, long-term health and, and what we know. And, and as importantly, what we don't know, you know, the uh, there's a, a football player, um, at Indiana who's been uh, going through, um, uh, Brady Feeney's his name, from St. Louis area. He's been going through uh, his battle with COVID and recovering. And uh, there's concern that his, he has long-term heart issues or uh, potentially long-term issues related to his heart because of this. Um, there's the, the picture with the Red Sox who had a similar thing. And you know, there's a study out of Germany here in the last week or so where I think it was 60% of some of the COVID patients. Again, I'm not a doctor, just don't don't get in the weeds here with me. But uh, the, the bottom line is there was some, another study with some concerns about the long-term health issues related to this. And, you know, it's one thing for a normal human being to have heart issues. That's not good. But, and, but maybe you can have a normal uh, life with this. But if you're a, an elite athlete, a high-profile athlete with heart issues, that's career-ending in addition to the, the – Um, the the life aspect of it. So that's certainly one thing that has changed. Um, Another thing is UConn was the first D1 school to bail on it. And then I think that starts leading to questions. Um, You look at D2 and D3, they dropped out. You look at a bunch of the FCS conferences, they've dropped out. On Saturday, the MAC dropped out. And then uh, a couple hours ago, as I was eating turkey burgers off the grill, uh, the Mountain West dropped out. So, you know, there's been kind of one thing after another after another. And at a certain point, the, the big boys, the big tens, the SECs, the ACCs have to ask themselves, what do they know that we don't? Or what makes us think that we can do this and they can't? And the answers are starting to kind of become clear that the the, the risks and the unknowns, at least for some, uh, don't outweigh the, uh, the potential rewards right now, for at least for the fall.
1: Joey, we've heard from some players and, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence maybe being one of the most uh, obviously visible ones uh, with the hashtag, we want to play. This reminds me of when, you know, the NFL and and its union were trying to negotiate protocols. But um, there is no union in college football. And, you know, who are the voices for the players? And, you know, do the majority of them you think want to play or are there a significant number that that don't feel very comfortable with with their health with the, with the protection that they may or may not be uh, getting um, uh, you know on their campuses, or, or is it the other way where I, I've, I've seen as Lawrence argued they might be more safe uh, in the cocoon of their universities?
0: Well, I think we are going to see a, a players' union sooner rather than later here just with the whirlwind of developments we see happening in college sports as a result of COVID, as a result of the, uh, the George Floyd situation, it's kind of a, a, perfect storm for lack of a better term. Players, uh, have discovered their voice and I think they want to make their voice more uniform. And I think we are going to see a, a players, maybe not union, but a players association, um, which we've seen that here in the last 24 hours, Rick, sort of in a de facto way. Mm -hmm. Um, You you talk about players from the Power Five getting together. Trevor Lawrence, um, some of his peers from some other schools uh, around the country got together on a Zoom call, and in 45, the span of about 45 minutes, we're told they hashed out kind of a manifesto um, of basically saying, we want to play, but we also want to see some change. Uh, here are some things we'd like to see, some some maybe not conditions, but some, some things we'd like to see implemented. And they included, hey, help us put together a players association. Let's get a universal set of uh, health and safety protocols for COVID-19. If a teammate chooses to opt out, assure us they're not going to lose their year of eligibility. So you know, we kind of see a little de facto players association there, just very organically. And <clears throat> on top of that, um, today, K.J. Sales, the USF senior cornerback, you know, right. one of the, clearly one of the team leaders for, for the Bulls, he gets on the horn with some of his buddies in the American Athletic Conference, including mm-hmm. Brady White, the Memphis quarterback, Marquez Stevenson, the uh, really fast receiver from Houston. And, you know, just through a series of conversations, they put together their own little manifesto or mission statement, very similar to what Trevor Lawrence and the Power Five guys did. So these guys have discovered their voice. They've discovered they have some 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 power. I think, you know, like I said, sooner rather than later, you're going to see them coalesce. And so their voice can be more unified. And I think the Players Association and In college football. And yes, I think an overwhelming majority of them do want to play. I I think we've seen them. I don't think you would see all of these coaches coming out and speaking on behalf of their teams and including Mm -hmm. the hashtags. We want to play uh, with their with their tweets if they didn't feel like a, a majority or all of the guys on their teams, you know. Didn't want to play. I don't think they would be taking that action to go on social media and speak out and say, hey, let, let these kids play if they weren't confident that, you know, all or most of their guys want to play. So, yes, there, there are some that, uh, as we saw last week, especially in the Pac-12, that have some serious concerns about going forward and they express those concerns, you know, on paper. But I think an overwhelming majority of, uh, of college football players want to play.
2: You know, J- Joey, you're 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 exactly. I think you're right. Um, we we don't know how this is all going to end, right? As we as we sit here tonight, recording this, I don't know if there's going to be a season. If there is, I don't know who's playing. I don't know what it's going to look like. But here is one thing I think I know: is that once this is all said and done, whenever it is, and whenever things get back to something approximating normal, one of the changes that we're going to see have come from this is that the the, that college athletes have found their voice. Um, I thought it was absurd in the early days uh, of the pandemic, March and April, as as everything was getting shut down, as we were talking about what football might look like, and and that sort of thing. I thought it was absurd that college, you know, the the players themselves were not being spoken to, they were not being asked about it, they were not talking about it, when it was, you know, them had had, obviously had a, a lot to lose. And nothing to gain financially from it because, you know, they're not being paid. It's not like the NFL or the NBA. Um, but we've seen here in the last really eight days, or yeah, eight days, goodness gracious, eight days ago is when the Pac-12 came out with their We Are United thing. It feels like 80 years ago. But in the last eight days, there's been such a a push for with the players having their voice and making their voices heard. I don't know if it's going to change the Big Ten. I don't know if it's going to change the Pac-12. I don't know what is going to happen in the short term. But I think the long term, the, the days of, of uh, players just doing what they're told and, and just going along for it and, and you know that sort of thing, I think that's done. They're going to have a larger voice in the discussion because they've shown the last eight days that that's what they want and that's what they're going to get.
0: And And, and I think they've not only discovered their voice, they've discovered they have leverage. And we absolutely throughout the summer, you know, the, the mess out at Oklahoma state, one player speaks out and, you know, there's the university looks into it and there's some change. We saw what happened at Iowa, some players, you know, speaking out, you know, alleging some, uh, some racism or just not feeling comfortable around a certain coach and that, that certain strength and conditioning coach is no longer there. So they found out they they've had some leverage and, This is what I got to thinking today as more and more players were speaking out on social media saying, We wanna play, let us play. You know, if if the if the league presidents come back and say, Nope, it's just we've decided, you know, it's it's not safe. We're we're gonna move to the spring. Who's to say those same players won't say no? We're not playing in the spring. We wanna play now. The spring is not practical for us for a lot of reasons. We just don't think it's it's very plausible. We want to play in the fall of 2020, and if you move it to the spring, we're not playing. So, I mean, this is where we are in 2020. The players not only
2: have found their voice, they found they have leverage. It, you, no, you're, 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 you're spot on there. I mean, but I don't think we've, we've talked about it enough. I mean, Iowa's I, I strength and conditioning coach was one of the best in the country and one of the most important assistant coaches at any program in the nation, and he's out. Mike Gundy lost a million dollars because his running back sent a tweet I'm gonna repeat that. Mike Gundy lost a million dollars from his contract mm. and I think a year on his on, on his contract as well because his running back sent a tweet. But that's I mean that's 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 where we are. That's where things have, have progressed. And again, this isn't going anywhere, no no matter what happens in the next couple of days and no matter what happens with the season.
1: The uh, the cases that we've mentioned uh, with Brady Feeney aside, and you can't really put them aside because obviously it's a concern. This is a novel virus. We don't know what residual effects these athletes may or may not have. But does Lawrence have a point? I mean, and he says, look, players uh, will all be sent home to their own communities where social distancing is highly unlikely and medical care and expenses will be placed on the families if they were to contract COVID-19. So, what about what about the greater good? I mean, what what about that? Is it is it true that uh, there is more protection? And and maybe it's not universal from campus to campus. Maybe it varies based on whether you're at Michigan or Arkansas State. I don't know, um, but I, I'm just I'm wondering if you know they they've had testing. Harbaugh came out mentioned the numbers that they had there at the University of Michigan. Now these teams have not played against each other. They've not had to travel. There's a lot of things that they haven't done. Um, but is it doable? Do do a lot of people think that you could play and play safely? I think,
0: I think they are in a better situation if they have a football season, just for the reasons that Jim Harbaugh and Trevor Lawrence stated. That they are around professionals who monitor them, who will test them regularly, who will make mm-hmm. sure they were following protocols. They are around sports medicine people. They are in the best. Possible environment they could be the best environment of any segment of the student body. Now, right. the thing about being sent home, I don't necessarily subscribe to because classes are getting ready to start and a lot of these universities are opening up. So it's ding, not ding, like ding. A, they're, they're not going to be sent back home, but they will be, you know, in the general student body. If there's no season to go to, no season to prepare for, no game to get ready for they're going to lose that structure so whereas Mm -hmm. you know if you've got a football player who spends you know 20 30 hours around the program you know going to a regimented study hall going to a regimented practice and mealtime where they're monitored and supervised they're not going to have that if there's no season they are going to be in the general student body a lot more time in their dorm a lot more time hanging out you know Lord knows where, you know, you know, in Mm -hmm. the student union or somebody else's apartment. So they, you know, there would be some more, um, you know, for lack of a better term, probably some more risks involved there, but, um, it's not like they're going to be sent back home, but no, there's no question if there is a football season and there's that structured environment, they're in the, they're in the best
2: possible environment because they are being monitored practically all the time. So a, a couple of things there. One, I agree. It, it's a to some degree the, the they're safer on you know in football than they are being sent home is a, is a red herring argument because no, I don't think anyone's saying that if there's no football, everybody pack up your bags and go home. You're, you're out of here by five o'clock tomorrow. That's right. that's not the argument. Um, it's is it safe to actually play football or not? Um, so that that's that's part one. Um, I, I also kind of. I kind of bristle at the idea that I mean, yes, having the the structure is great. And all that stuff is is very important to players. But nobody's going to make them go to parties, right? Like they can still social distance on campus if they want. It's it's a personal responsibility thing. So it's I mean, they have the free agency there, not free agency, free agency. But you know what I mean, to to kind of pick and choose what they do. And I understand college kids are going to do what college kids do. But uh, yeah, so I don't know that that. I don't know that I buy that that argument. Um and and the the other aspect of it too, the obviously the players at the players health is extremely important here. But the players health is not the only thing that matters here. We also have to think about the the health the public health. I mean, we have to think about the health of the coaches who are involved. We have to think that if there is, you know, a, an outbreak at a football uh you know, a, a football program—the way we've seen at Rutgers, the way we've seen at Clemson, the way we've seen at LSU—I I think it's—I don't—I don't know how it wouldn't spread more during a season when you're hitting each other more and when you actually start practices and then when you're playing other teams. And if that spreads, and you're getting—you you are know, talking about coaches, you're talking about staff potentially being affected, you're talking about their families being affected, you're talking about spreading events and again we don't have the data on all this stuff because the the practices haven't begun or that sort of thing but that's a major concern that i have as well so yes obviously the players health is of extreme importance but we also have to put that puzzle piece into the health of the campus as a whole and the communities in gainesville or tampa or tallahassee as a whole as well
1: I get all that. What's unusual to me about this situation, you wouldn't see this in the NFL necessarily, because you know coaches are part of management. But you've had coaches, and I know there are probably some, you know, some self-serving reasons why why they want to play. Not the least of which is this is what they do. They pour a lot into the seasons, but they seem to be sort of on the side of the players. The hashtag we want to play um, group, and you know, I mean, how much. How unusual is that, and does that will that have real weight? In other words, can Jim Harbaugh or Nick Saban, with all that they mean to those universities or Ohio State's coach, can can they, you know, have a louder voice, a bigger platform, uh, move the move the needle in terms of public opinion or even the president's opinion?
2: I think we're going to find out here in the next few days. Yeah. Go ahead. yeah. Well, I, I was just going to say, imagine the backlash if Dan Mullen says, you know what. I don't want to to coach football this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, yeah. I mean, it, it, imagine the back, but you could be
1: silent though. You don't have to come out and say, let's and, play. And, I mean, and, could...
2: and some have been, but on the other hand, yeah. the silence to some degree would speak volumes, right? That's, right. I, I hate to bring it back to recruiting. This is stupid, but here I go. Think about the recruiting aspect of it mm. where, uh, you know, he wasn't supporting his players. You, you know, he, what Dan Mullen clearly doesn't want to coach. I, I'm mm. using him as an example. He actually tweeted his support of the thing earlier today. So, but you you get the point. Where if they're yeah. not saying something on this, then it could be used against them and you know by yeah. their own players even. Why aren't you supporting us? So sure. I don't. I, they don't. I don't know. It, it's going to be fascinating to see though what how much power they have because this is one of the times when. Um, And we think about coaches as the gods of the program because everything revolves around them and and it's their program. Um, They do technically have bosses, the ADs, and they technically have bosses above them, the presidents. the presidents are going to be making these decisions. Again, because it's more than just the football team, it's the coaches, it's the professors, it's the janitors and the the food people. Um, It's the campus as a whole that has to be considered. And the presidents and chancellors are going to figure that out. And then because this is America, there's going to be politicians involved. There already have been politicians involved. I mean, that the- that's, that's the thing, you know, the presidents are going to be the one making this
0: decision and they don't always live in the same planet as the football programs. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them don't, you know, they live in the academic realm and let's face it, they live in the political realm and you know, th- those can be two totally different worlds than, you know, than the worlds that Nick Saban and Ed Ogeron and those guys are living in. So that that's what's going to be fascinating about it. Now you would you would presume that that Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day and Dabo Sweeney and these guys have a have a huge voice, you know, on their campuses and you know in their communities. But we're going to find out, you know, just how how big a voice they have. We could see an ego struggle here. We could see an ego clash and just you know see who prevails here. But it's important to note two things, that these presidents are the ones who are going to ultimately be making the decision of whether we'll have football this fall. And a lot of times they exist in a totally different world than the football programs.
1: Let me ask this because, you know, when we saw the schedules come out and many of these games uh, were canceled early on that were going to be played at the end of August, early September they moved them back, in other words, there seems to be time here um I don't know where we got to the point of and maybe they'll take the time that it seemed like there was going to be votes taken you know sometime this week uh, as early as Tuesday again, we're doing this podcast late Monday um don't they have the uh the ability to to sort of you know hash this out a bit and and see what the best practices could be um not that they haven't thought about it, but I, again, it seems like it seems like this this train is moving pretty fast down the tracks here.
2: So yes and no. Um, I'm looking at my calendar, which is my poor calendar. I need to start using pencil. Um, <laughs> August 21st is the kind of the deadline in terms of when NCAA divisions were supposed to decide: are you in or are you out? And it looks like there's a D1 council meeting on Wednesday, which the uh, the board of governors in the NCAA kick the can to the D1 something else, which kick the can to the D1 council. And the cans finally, you know, we, we know where that road is ending. Um, so there's supposed to be something on Wednesday potentially. And, and then potentially they could do something beyond that as well, because of the way the schedules are done. You know, the, the SEC is not playing until September 26th. So we saw SEC commissioner Greg Sankey come out today saying, you know, we, we've said all along, we want to be patient and learn as much as we can. And we're still going to do that does that mean we can play i don't know but we're we're going to keep trying um so that's on one hand yes they do have time and they don't have to decide anything they in theory don't have to decide anything today but this i mean everything's been in limbo for weeks and months it's one thing for for jobs to be in and limbo and all that stuff but for the players as they're doing this with not knowing if there's going to be a season again these unpaid amateurs technically that, that's hard on them. There, so there's a, definitely a mental health component of it too. Are we going to play? Are we not going to play? How am I going to continue training? How hard should I continue training while I'm in limbo and nobody has any idea what's going on? So there's definitely that aspect of it too, where they don't want it hanging over anybody's head longer than it has to be. And just as, yes, they could continue to wait, I also wonder, and I think that some of the presidents and commissioners and what have you are wondering too, what's going to change in the next three weeks? To make it so, oh yeah, we can totally play now. Um, m- maybe things will. Maybe the numbers will go down um, to the point where people feel more comfortable with it. Maybe there's going to be new treatments that are, you know, m- new studies that come out about treatments, so people feel uh, less threatened and less concerned by the virus. That sort of thing. M- maybe stuff can happen, but I, I don't know. It's uh that's not a it's a very ambivalent answer, but that's just kind of the way things are right now.
1: Joey, um, tell me about the AAC. What are their plans? And uh, you know, USF has just begun practice, as many teams in that conference has um, psychologically. And what's it like uh, with with the coaches, with the players? Uh, what's what's going on?
0: Uh, the AAC has a a really good commissioner, Mike Oresco. He's got a he's got a media background, a television background. He was with the Big East for a long time. He's He's a solid commissioner. He's a veteran guy. He wants to move forward. Um, he's one of those guys who considers his league, the, the sixth power conference, and they've been pushing that mantra for years. Uh, he wants, he wants to play. Now they are, you know, he is acknowledged they're, they're going to really follow and monitor what the power five presidents and, and leagues do. But right now, you know, the, they want to go on and play. I think a big concern with the American and some other group of 5 program group of 5 conferences like we saw the Mountain West with just the exorbitant costs of testing you know what type of testing and how how frequently you have to test during the course of a football season that can become extremely costly goes without saying but the American you know has they they decided last week that they were going to play their their eight game conference schedule and allow their, their teams to schedule as many non-conference games, you know, as they could to their discretion. So presumably, I haven't seen what exactly, and they haven't revealed exactly what their, what their testing protocols are like, but presumably they believe they can afford it because they, they want to move forward. And, you know, some of their peers, you know, in the South, the Conference USA, the Sun Belt Conference, they're moving full steam ahead right now. You know, as of right now on August 10th, so presumably the testing protocols that they've determined for their conferences, I guess they believe, you know, they can afford them over the course of over the course of a season because right now that they want to move forward. But they are going to obviously watch what the Power Five does because it's all predicated on what what the Power Five does. If three or four of those conferences go away, you know, everybody else goes away. I mean, let's face it, that's reality.
1: And, and Matt, this affects more than football. I mean, we're hearing all fall sports. And of course, without the, the revenue of college football, we know what that does um, to the non-revenue sports. I mean, how could this change not just football, uh, but the entire landscape of, of uh, college sports?
2: Oh, yeah, I haven't wrapped my head around that yet, Rick, because it's, it's massive. Um, I thought I've thought for a while college sports was due for the bubble to pop. Uh, I thought it was going to be TV revenues because I didn't think that the, uh, you know, we see the the way that people have been cutting the cord, including myself, that I didn't think that the TV rights deals were going to keep going up and up and up. So I thought eventually college sports would have this reckoning. But this the reckoning is going to be here. Um, no matter what happens, even if it's an abbreviated season or whatever, the money is, 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 is it's not going to be what it was. And it's going to have drastic effects. Um, I mean, if there's no season, Cash flow crisis is not too strong of a term to describe what's going to happen at certain places, including big name places. Um, And just it's just going to be so hard to to comprehend everything. Um, You're going to talk about athletic departments slashing everything. Uh, Sports have already Mm -hmm. been cut at some places. I think we would see a lot more of that. Um, I'm thinking just in terms of what some schools can do, even for the programs that exist if you're furloughed, and I've I've been there, if you're furloughed legally, you are not allowed to work. Um, Furloughing a college football coach or a basketball coach is going to be really hard because of the recruiting aspect. So then you're talking about major pay cuts upon pay cuts that have already happened in some cases. I mean, it's it's just going to be, I mean, we've used the word already, but it's going to be apocalyptic in terms of what's happening in college sports. And it's in one some ways, it's it's not a bad thing because there's a lot of fat on the college sports, um, you know, on a college sports bone. You look at the eighty five million dollar football only facility the Gators are building, and the sixty million dollar whatever it is building the FSU wants for football, and all that stuff. Do they need those? No, of course not. But at the same time, these are also there's a lot of human beings who are affected by this. The, the armies of analysts, while maybe not necessarily necessary. Um, they're, you know those are those are people with families and you look at all the administrators those are people with families and that's how it, they pay the bills and so there is an enormous human cost to to these this financial apocalypse that's probably going to come in the next few months or or weeks and I, I don't have my head wrapped around how big it will be except to know that we're talking tens of millions or hundred million dollars at a lot of major programs
0: and, and I scoff at people who accuse you know, college football of this, you know, trying to play in the fall of it being a cash grab all about money. You're darn straight. It's all about money just for the reasons Matt laid out, because there are other sports, there are jobs, there are livelihoods at stake. If football goes away, so much of that goes away with it. And he's right. Uh, You know, the bubble was set to pop because, you know, things had just become a little too palatial, Uh, you know, We've kind of reached absurd levels in terms of the Philippines <laughs> arms race. But, you know, if football goes away, there's going to be not budget trimming, there's going to be budget slashing. Olympic sports are going to go away. Coaches are going to lose their jobs. Kids are going to lose scholarships. You know, staffers, athletic department staffers likely could lose their jobs in terms of, you know, sports information folks and, support staff, marketing people. So you're darn straight. It's about money. They need that money to save jobs and livelihoods.
2: And, and I think this is where the, not the NCAA as a whole, but at some point, depending on how this shakes out, athletic departments need to do a better job of telling that story. Um, because it does look like a selfish money grab thing, but it's not, um, because these are, again, these are human beings. And if, if people, if, if athletic departments are honest with themselves and honest with the public and share this type of thing, I think more people will be sympathetic to the cause. Um, I mean, because again, this is the, the same conversation we're having about college sports is the same conversation that's happening a lot of other places in society. There's a risk to being at bars, for example, because the, the coronavirus can spread and that's not good for public health. But if the bars are closed, then people are out of work, and that's not good either. So it's all about trying to find that balance, whatever it is, between a full a full economy where people more people are getting sick, and a closed economy where not no people are getting sick. So college sports is, fits into that just like everything else, and they're trying to find that that balance, and it's it's trickier with them because the you know the athletes are unpaid amateurs in theory, and. Uh, the the coaches are millionaires and they don't always seem to be sympathetic uh, economic figures. But you know, again, they have families too, and it's it's, it's complicated. This this is not an easy conversation. It, it's complicated stuff. And I'm very pleased to announce right here tonight,
0: guys, that USF coach Jeff Scott has just tweeted that his wife, Sarah, and I are very proud to announce Hunter Bradford Scott was born today. Wow. 8 pounds, 12 ounces, <laughs> oh, wow. twenty point five inches. So, good for them. some good news on the college football front. <laughs> Huzzah.
1: Good go. for them. One uh, one. Scott has already delivered for USF. That's fantastic, and congratulations to them. Uh, Rick, I see what break, you did there. Breaking live here news uh, on the podcast. So uh, that's why we have Joey Knight covering USF, because he has all the latest scoop. Um, I did want to ask you, though, You know, we've gone from, uh, obviously, the glaring light that's been placed on the NCAA and the fact that there is no centralized anything uh, in college sports, particularly football, really, it seems to be conference to conference that controls things for the most part. Let me ask you because Scott Frost has come out and said some things could we could it go beyond just the conferences to the actual schools or programs themselves? Could Nebraska, who for better or worse you know is in the big ten, uh, suddenly uh, link up with a team you know from another conference for this season only? Could they do that with several conferences i mean what would college football look like if if a number of these conferences uh, decide to uh, to play, uh, and and maybe even some schools express their desire when their own conferences are not playing?
2: Uh, I'll, I'll I'll start with this one, Joe, if that's all right. Um, we've already seen some of it. I mean, uh, Old Dominion today. Again, this is normally would be a big story, but today it's like a sentence um old dominion canceled it it's it's fall sports day or postponed them uh, hopefully to the spring so that you know takes one out of conference usa conference usa as we th- th- sit here right now they're still going forward for a fall season um notre dame and uh, a notoriously famously independent uh stubbornly independent notre dame um is in the acc this year so they kind of switched just to try and make things happen so we've already seen some of that already um Will we see more of it going forward? It's quite possible. Um, Where it gets really interesting is this scenario you laid out with Nebraska, where the big 10 says, we're not going to play. And Nebraska says, well, screw you. We're going to try and play. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't have my head wrapped around exactly how that would work. Um, I know historically, and I did a story in May that, you know, looking back, I actually think I I wrote something intelligent. Um, the, The SEC, uh, you know, at the time when World War II going on in 1943, the SEC said, if you can play football this year and you want to, great. If you don't, that's okay. Come back when you're ready. And that mm. freed up the schools to kind of do what they wanted, play or not play. So maybe there's a scenario where the Big Ten says, you know what? If you want to go it, go for it. But the rest of us, we're out. Um, there's a bunch of questions that would raise. Uh, what would happen to Nebraska's TV money? Um what would happen, you know, God forbid, a corn husker got sick or or, or died from the coronavirus. Um, You know, talk about the liability where not only are a bunch of other schools across the country making the decision not to play, but your own conference said you weren't going to play and you did it anyway. Think about the liability aspect of that. So I I don't know how that would work. Um, I I suppose it's possible. And and I know, I'm sure some schools are going to try and do that. Nebraska has said so today that they're going to, and explore whatever options they have, but I just don't know what options would exist right now for them.
1: Joy, what does college football look like if some of these conferences say we're playing in the spring?
0: Boy, that's a great question, Rick. I'm just – I'm one of those who's just not a fan of of, uh, a college season in the spring. I think you would have to contract the season and – I'm not a fan of, I think you'd have to contract the spring season and perhaps even contract the fall season of 2021 if it was really plausible. I mean, people speaking about the welfare and the health and safety of student athletes, you couldn't have two 12, 13 game seasons within the span of several months. That's just not practical. Um, And I, for one, am just not crazy about Seeing an an eight game spring season, I, I would rather just focus on March Madness and the Masters and things like that, and just wait until we could get a full fledged college season in the fall. I, I don't know what it would look like. It's un, it's uncharted territory. Um, uh, I think if the Power Five schools stay in the fall, uh, I think we could see, you know, some Group of Five school programs, conferences that have opted out for the fall so far, like the Mountain West and, um, you know, some, some FCS programs, conferences compete in the spring. And they, you know, they could have an audience to themselves, kind of like the XFL or some of these spring leagues. I mean, I think it would be a, be a great market for it. Uh, You know, we can debate about what the, what the nation's appetite is like for spring football, but the bottom line is those, those people would have kind of the, the platform all to themselves, you know. So um, I, I think if it came to that, I, I, I just don't see it happening at the power five level. I just think there's a lot of reasons for that, a couple of which I just outlined. But I, I, I think you could see some some FCS, some group of five programs opting for spring season. And I think, you know, just from the college football fans perspective, it would probably do very well ratings wise it would be kind of a kind of a unique novelty type thing Um, but again I I just assume not have the big boys play in the spring so we could have a full-fledged fall season in 2021
2: I don't disagree with a lot of that but that's a hard sell to the to some of the athletic departments I mean it's again we don't know that things are going to be better in March than they are right now they might be, and, and goodness gracious, I hope they are. I'm sick of this like everybody else. Um, but we don't know that things are going to get better, but there's a chance that it is. And if you're talking about you know, a six-game or eight-game season in the spring and then a slightly abbreviated one in the fall, I, I'd take that uh, I, just because I, I want the game and you know, I know the athletic departments want the money. Because otherwise, we're talking about the athletic departments going a year and a half without football. That's a long time. And, and again, we're talking about- as long now, as they have, if March Madness can be staged next spring, I think that would cushion some of the blow. It would cushion some of the blow for sure. But it not, I mean, we're talking, to, again, uh, Wisconsin, I think the figure that, that Barry Oliver is the AD throughout with $100 million if there's no football at all this year. And March Madness is going to is going to take some of it, but not one hundred million dollars, not fifty million dollars, not eighty million dollars. I mean, or twenty million dollars. So it's there's a huge there's a huge financial loss there. And the spring has a bunch of drawbacks. I mean, we were talking about that earlier today, Joey, in our Apocalypse Now meeting. Mm -hmm. Um, We we don't know what would happen uh, with players in the draft. Um, it'd be like baseball where a player gets drafted in the third inning of the College World Series by the Red Sox or whatever. Like, that's <laughs> that's something that, w- that would happen. Um, we don't know about what would happen with uh, uh, signing day. Would players who enrolled early in December be able to suit up for the Spring League in February or sign in February? I mean, we don't know. There's so many unknowns. It's It, will, it would be fascinating to see it happen. And it would be really interesting to see what happens if some of the big boys try in the fall and some of them try in the spring? I mean, I I have no idea what's going to happen. I, I Just absolutely no idea. I have, I have uh, plenty of sheets in front of me with story ideas to keep, you know, no matter what happens this week, which is going to be crazy, I've got enough to keep me busy for quite some time going down all these rabbit holes, trying to figure out what the heck is going to happen in the next couple weeks and couple months and, and year. I think we've kind of established how crazy this has all been. Um, mm-hmm. But I just want to illustrate it with a couple things. Um, in my illustrious role as an AP voter, um, by the way, keep sending feedback to Jnight at Tampabay.com for that <laughs> Jnight at tampabay.com. Um, here's how crazy it's been. I sent in my preseason All America ballot Thursday um, because it was due on Friday. I was like, well oh, let's cross this off the list. Um, by the time I submitted it and before the end of the day, three people, that I had on my ballot opted out of the season. And I resubmitted it Friday morning. And since then, somebody else on my preseason top ballot has opted out. Um, I'm looking right now at the preseason AP Top 25 ballot that I submitted. Um, <laughs> if the Big Ten is out, uh, there's, uh, there, there's two guys in the Top 10, including the, my, my number one team, that's, that's, that's not playing. Um, nobody from Mountain West, although I almost ranked Boise. So I'm just imagining like having to rip that up in a couple of days <laughs> and then having to rip it up again and again. Um, it It's just it's crazy. It's a hard exercise. It's fun. I enjoy doing it. I'm glad I do. But it, it's, it's just it's just ridiculous at this point.
1: <laughs> really, really hard on voters. I'm sure <laughs> this is this is uh, just one of the many things that this will cause. Look, guys, I mean, this thing is going to change moment to moment. We know this, and uh, hopefully there'll be more clarity as we get um, through the week and these presidents have their meetings, and who knows where it's all headed. Give me your best prediction, each of you, of what you think, uh, whether there are obviously some conferences that say they are playing, Um, what, what you kind of expect to happen here in these, and it's just a prediction. I mean, obviously nobody has a crystal ball, or all of us would be in Las Vegas right now.
0: Wow, great (laughs) question. I've tried to remain optimistic through this whole process simply because I'm an optimistic person and it beats the alternative. Um, And and I've been a little, I've been really kind of encouraged just by the way the players have spoken, Mm -hmm. the We Want to Play movement, and the support they've gotten from their coaches and from their administrators. Uh, Based on that, I think we are going to have at least three power five conferences and at least three group of five conferences playing football, or at least starting the season this fall, starting in the last weekend in September. I think we get to that point. Don't no. ask me if we finish, but I think we will see them try to start
2: the season. Matt. And, and, and the odd, uh, this odd couple of relationship, I'm the, the glass half empty guy. Um, <laughs> I don't think it happens. I think they kick the can, the conferences kick the can down the road as much as possible. And at a certain point, unless there's some sort of medical breakthrough or testing breakthrough, they look at it and say, you know what, we can't do this. There's too much we don't know about, you know, about the virus and how it affects players long term. Um, The the testing isn't there. I mean, the the SEC's testing protocol, uh, a test is supposed to be done within 72 hours of competition, which which is fine and dandy. But if somebody goes out the Friday night before a game and and gets positive and it doesn't show up in the 72 hours, I mean, there's still too many unknowns just because of where things are medically and, and the testing right now. So I, I don't think it happens. I, I think people try and I I just don't see a scenario where it happens right now. I hope I'm wrong. I just don't see it.
0: And if that happens, I think... I think you're going to see, I mean, because college football is part of our fabric. I mean, yes, we had college basketball. We lost March Madness, but we had a college basketball season. We've got baseball and NHL and the NBA resuming. If you take out college football for a season, that's a tipping point for a lot of people. If we have no college football, that's going to provoke people either to put on the dang mask or it's going to trigger an uprising like we haven't seen yet. Something's something's going to that's it's going to be a tipping point if we don't have college football, because that's just a huge part of who we are.
1: It is indeed. And it's a big part of a lot of these economies as well uh, in in various college towns throughout the South, throughout the country that uh, will lead to um, probably more businesses closing and more pain and suffering um, and so it is not just limited to the universities or their athletes or their coaches or their fans. Many of their fans will suffer, uh, as well. Well guys, uh, l- enjoy the discussion. I really do. Your insights are, are, are terrific. I think it really helps uh, our readers who will be following you, uh, in the Tampa Bay times on tampabay.com. Uh, as the football world turns <laughs> and it'll just be, um, it'll be something to, to, to see. And let's all hope, uh, for the sake of, uh, of everybody really, um, that, um, you know, they, they find a safe way, uh, to play, uh, or those that do play are able to be safe. And, um, and we'll see if we can have college football after all, but thanks for the discussion. And, uh, we'll be following you on tampabay.com. You got it. Buckle up. Thanks, buddy. Hey, on tomorrow's podcast, the Tampa Bay Lightning play Columbus in game one of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, a rematch of the disastrous four-game sweep from a year ago. We'll have Tom Jones on tomorrow's podcast to break all that down for you, along with some other topics like college football. Again, our thanks to Matt Baker and Joey Knight. Follow them for the latest news on college sports and college football, in particular, on tampabay.com. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.